Hi there, everybody. This is Ollie Bilson, and welcome to this podcast. I'm with Mr. Ryan Chapman. Hello, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Well, excited for today because we're going to be talking about uh, a topic that's a little near and dear to my heart by the very fact that I've engineered, re-engineered, and spoken on it numerous times all over the world, it seems now. And I've been lucky enough to do it and really make it what it is as a byproduct of of you and and Trent and a big testament to the the technology and the platform that we obviously use behind it that uh, that makes it so effective which is of course the foam funnel framework yeah i'm excited to talk about this i think um, in our last episode we kind of left off saying we were going to cover the four pillars and this is one of the pillars which pillar is it is it three or four this is the third pillar actually Okay. Yeah. And I hope people don't mind going out of order, but I thought this was so powerful that it was worth uh, moving to the front of the line. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the thing is... Do you mind uh, restating the pillar too? That way people can have some context that maybe are just coming in fresh and didn't catch our last uh, discussion. Yeah, sure. So at a high level, uh, the first pillar is vision, really getting clear on the reason why you exist as a business. Sometimes we forget why we're doing what we're doing. Also gets clarity and crystallize on where you're going as a business and having a clear mission, having kind of a, a North Star, and then distilling that down into annual priorities and quarterly goals and dictating really the rhythms of the things that you you should be focusing on to move your business forward towards those those bigger goals that that you have for your business to to you don't really achieve a vision you need a vision sure you need some milestones in order to keep you on the right right track and on the right path so every business needs clarity on that and some people think we'll go more into that uh, in another episode because i think there's a lot there and i was starting to think things i bit my tongue (laughs) yeah sure and and just for clarity in case you think that that's not for you like you wonder well like why do why would i need a vision we will go into it a lot deeper but believe me adopting a solid strategic planning framework will guide you whether you're a startup business or you're less than a hundred grand in turnover it will be it will be revolutionary for you so a vision is i can attest it makes everything easier because all your decisions all your prioritizing all that becomes very simple when you have a clear vision of what you're about and what you do for the market and how you do it and then it just makes all the decision making easier absolutely now the, the second pillar is building what we call a growth team and before again before you people kind of get the the wrong idea of what that means like you're telling me to go and build a team well the fact is a growth team can actually be a team of one it doesn't it just means that it it can't be just you even if you want to keep your organization very lean and very profitable which I'm also a big fan of without having to have an office or multiple offices or, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 staff or whatever it is. That's okay. You just need to know the the disciplines that you need and what you need help with to create the capability internally to be able to execute on the things that are actually important. So again, I'm really excited to talk about that, but I'm biting my tongue really hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a lot to talk about that. We'll do, we'll do that another another time. Yeah. And then the third pillar is what we're going to talk about now, which is building an inbound selling system. And for for most people 
who are well, really for every type of business, regardless of what stage they're in, this is fundamental to them actually functioning because the lifeblood of the business is first of all getting customers and there needs to be predictability and consistency of moving people from advertising into sales conversations that lead to some money in the bank and cash in the bank. Yeah, and um, I'm really excited that we're going to be talking about this topic because after our last discussion, that concept of how most businesses that are in that, you, you gave some ranges and we'll probably get into that again, but you know, th- there is a sales focus that needs to happen because if it doesn't happen, the business won't cash flow sufficiently to survive to get to the next phase. And I think so many organizations want to skip the sales. They want to go just to marketing, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't recognize how critical having a sales oriented, and that doesn't mean you can't use marketing automations. We'll get into, right? But it has to be very sales focused, not marketing, long term nurture, drip focused, which is the tendency I've at least witnessed in most people to get into marketing automation. Yeah, I mean, the sad fact is, is that most people don't really understand the concept that, and it's not their fault, by the way, when I say most people don't understand it, I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, in the fact that genuinely, it's unfortunately, what you've been told up until now from a lot of people, quite honestly, is, is not always quite accurate as as i've seen things play out i can only talk from my personal experiences but i can tell you building four fairly successful four separate successful businesses in different industries that this has been true to me that you need to understand the concept that leads don't become customers prospects do and most people think that prospects are things that you hear about in like a sales pipeline you know this is only reserved for people that have sales teams and you know i'm a big advocate of actually introducing a sales mechanism to a business that doesn't currently have that capability internally because when they understand that it can be actually very profitable for them to introduce that to have somebody inside of the business that's now working with prospects and not leads because these leads are qualified themselves through the marketing that you'd been doing so they can have quality conversations and meaningful conversations it can really change the dynamic of a business and really accelerate it can be the catalyst for double digit growth year on year you know it's interesting about that too is having worked with directly or indirectly some very large corporations there are some of them that are completely sales driven they they don't have the marketing component at all in fact many of the large companies are so and that's why sales is such an important component is they're they're fully sales driven like cold calling the whole works, you know, they don't really have these mechanisms. If, if you were to give some of these mechanisms to some of these large corporations, they would go from being good to amazing, like overnight. Mm. And so, but as a small business, you don't have that luxury. You know, so you really do have to have these mechanisms in place. Otherwise you won't survive because you don't have the luxury of investment firms and big lines of credit and all these things. And you probably shouldn't because it would just bury you until you get the sales mechanism down. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think the other thing is that there's a misconception that some people think that they can't actually afford to bring in that internally, uh, when in actual fact, 
in in my experience that's not actually quite true there are some things that you need to consider in the engineering of your business whether or not it is worthwhile you bringing that internally but it the the dollar amount that you're bringing people in for is probably a lot less than you may think it would need to be to to consider bringing in a salesperson. You may think, well, if I'm selling something that's like two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars, then of course it might make sense for me to bring in a salesperson. I've met loads of people that are selling things for like five thousand dollars that think that they it's not worth them having a salesperson. Oh, geez. Or, you know, well, let's just put that into perspective. Yeah, I sell something that is forty nine dollars a month, and I have a salesperson. In fact, I have two. Right. But, you know, here's the interesting thing is we get into the phone funnel framework. I think it will help people to recognize what folly there is in thinking you can't afford salespeople or it's not right for you yet. Because the reality is with a phone funnel framework in place, you actually don't need a quote unquote salesperson because exactly. you almost are getting to the point where you need an order taker. Somebody that understands your product well enough that they can answer questions about it. A simple framework so that they know how to approach the conversation in a way that's meaningful to the prospect. And then that's it. You know, they just, it's basically saying, okay, you've been prepared. You've been, you know, filtered. Now we're at this point that it's time to have a buying decision discussion. And, and then we're going to participate in that. Uh, in fact, we found, you know, hopefully our sales guys are listening, but sometimes our support guys are even better than the sales guys because they have more of that mentality of, let me find out where you are and how do we get to you to where you want to be versus, you know, how do we get money out of your pocket? And the reality is nobody likes to be sold to, but everybody likes to buy. So you just have to give them a way that they can do that. And the, the phone funnel framework, I feel like, really uh, exemplifies this process of, preparing, accelerating, and then filtering, which I think you can get into and, and break down more. Yeah, absolutely. So I think really that what we need to do is begin with just putting something into perspective that if you, you know, we, we, we've talked there about the value of having somebody internally that can have a conversation with somebody before they buy or to have a an appointment set so that they can have a, they can put them through a process. They can qualify them before the call as well to, to have a a good quality conversation. Of course, all salespeople or anybody that's really speaking to anybody, really what they want is to be speaking to people who know about the, know what you've got to offer, how it can benefit them. And that that person has the ability to make a decision. They may, they need to find out whether or not it's definitely for them. You may also want to know whether or not that they are right for you as well, which mm-hmm. is another reason yeah. why that 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 is part of the the reason why an appointment setting a consultation of some sort it is a, a thing that you'd want to do and and just so that people think because you know a lot, a lot of people i've actually moved over into the phone funnel framework previously were never even scheduling appointments online through some kind of scheduler you know they were hoping that people would actually call them internally you know in an inbound call or they would have people fill in the form on the website and then they would have to then reach out that's a really wholly inefficient way of, of orchestrating yeah. that whole thing anyway so so when i'm thinking about the kind of these kind of processes i'm always thinking about what kind of friction am i putting the person through and mm. you know i you know i'm a busy person so i like to think of myself going through that process like 
what part of this process is attractive to me? You know, yeah, there's all the uncertainty. There's all that, you know, that people build into these processes. They don't realize that uncertainty causes people to give up. You know, yeah, like, is this person get back to me? When am I going to talk to somebody? I want to talk to somebody now. You know, how yeah. long is this going to take? Yeah, so I want to have totally those questions. Yeah, that, that inefficiency breeds breeds a lot of that, unfortunately. And so that's the reason why we have to begin with the end in mind. And we have yeah. to think about ultimately where do we wanna where do we wanna take people to? And that's the reason why I wanna kind of impress upon anybody that's listening that we want to systemize this process by moving people towards selecting a date and time on your calendar or maybe one of your sales reps' calendars or whoever it may be that may be helping them enroll the in the customer support person or whatever. Whoever it is. Let, let yeah. me inject this real quick quick because this is a principle that a lot of people may not have grasped but i think is really critical to understand and that this is a fact so you can you can question i think you should because you need to evaluate and see if this is true but uh, this is the, the fact all sales happen in conversation yes now some of these conversations are person to person some are listening to the podcast you know there may be a sale that is occurring in someone's head on this concept for example there is also sales that happen with copy so a person's reading copy they're having a conversation with the the written word so but these are always conversations that are occurring and so you got to understand all sales happen in conversation and the some of the most effective conversation is personal person and that's why it's so powerful so i just want to get that principle out there as a framework or foundation on what you're going to begin to lay out Mm. well what you just mentioned hopefully that's kind of sunk in for people because it's very very true here's the problem with that reality for a lot of people the problem with that reality is that you simply cannot, unless you've got hundreds, maybe even thousands of salespeople or lead development representatives or whoever, you can't have conversations with everybody. You need to- With every willing. lead, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd love to. I mean, we'd, we'd love to, but we all know the reality of that, that not everybody who is inquiring about your services, and especially when it comes to information-first marketing, when you're providing value in advance and you know, you're implementing solid direct response marketing, by the very nature of the fact that you're you know, cultivating, you're capturing people's interest, you're collecting their contact information to follow up with them in exchange for some value that you're promising. You know, to speak to all of those people would be virtually impossible. And they're probably not yet ready to engage in that conversation yet. And that's the reason when we, as we now talk about the phone funnel framework, the reason why this is so powerful, because what we're actually doing is we agree now that, it, you know, really, it, we need conversations with people in order to be able to sell to them. We know, ideally, in an ideal world, we'd love to speak to everybody to know how we can help mm -hmm. them. But now we can kind of flip that on its head and say, well, how can we use and how can we leverage technology and media and, and mechanisms that exist today that previously hadn't existed? 
and be able to use those to let people qualify themselves so that when we do have those conversations, then they're going to be quality ones, meaningful ones that are going to ultimately turn into business for us. So let me interject here that commonly when this was done in the past, it was done at the expense of the prospect or the lead as opposed to in their interest. And that's what's really powerful about the phone funnel framework in particular is instead of it being at the expense of the person, right? So instead of it making it so that they have to jump through all these hoops, it's more like a slide, you know, they get Absolutely. to go down a slide and this slide is useful to them because it helps them not have to interact with somebody. Cause I don't know if you know this because you may, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're a different type of person than the average bear. And because of that, you know, you may see the world totally different. You may not consider some of the ways that other people see the world, but a lot of people don't like to talk to salespeople. They, that's not what they want to do on their first step. Like me, I just want to get it out of the way. You know, I want to just go talk to somebody, find out what they offer, what they do. You know, I'll call CEOs, companies, stuff like that, just so I can get what I need, so I can get what I need to make a buying decision. But a lot of people are not that way. They don't want to talk to people. They're afraid of being sold. And so giving them a way to start dipping their toe in that is natural and flows for them is fantastic because then they don't feel like they're being trapped. They feel like they can get information on their terms. And then once they're ready to actually have that conversation, they have a way to do that. And that's what's really powerful about what you're going to lay out here. Yeah, and I'm glad we're kind of setting the scene for it a little bit because I think sometimes, including me, you know, you can gloss over this very easily. And, and actually, there's a, there's a number of layers to the reason why this works so well. So, you know, there's absolutely no question we've implemented what I'm about to go through in, in lots of different types of businesses that sell lots of different types of things. And so it's really agnostic to the, to, to the type of business that you're, you're currently in if you need to have a conversation with somebody in order to be able to sell to them. But what I would say is, is I'm glad we've kind of talked about this because I actually, people have these like epiphanies all the time about the reason why it works so well. And, you know, I often hear this in, you know, my mastermind group or on Q&A yeah. calls and, and things because We're people will just say oh, I get it now. I get why that works because, and often I hear this thing that's like, it just feels natural yeah. or it just feels different when you go through it. And, and that's the experience that they're getting back from their customers that yeah. it was so easy to engage with you. And what, what and that, from and I think that's important for people to recognize that's not an accident or, you know, happy by exactly it is a design. So mm. it's, it's mm. taking an understanding of how people are and, and what they want, what drives and motivates them. That was all part of the crafting of the phone funnel framework. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's kind of dig into that some more. So let's do you want to give an overview or yeah, let's do that. So people can yeah. then follow through because we've alluded to it quite a bit. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure some yeah. people are going like, okay, quit teasing me. Let's, let's get yeah. to it. Well, well, first of all, the two primary channels of advertising that we use is Facebook advertising and Google AdWords. And of, of recent times, we've 
found that Facebook has been the primary lead source that we've used for lots of the reasons around targeting that has been extremely effective to get ourselves in front of our potential customers. Mm. And I think that that's, I doubt there's many people on the call that uh, that either are not doing Facebook advertising or they, they've tried it at some point in the past. And if you've tried it and you're not doing it for some reason, then this may be some another reason to consider getting back onto it for sure. Or maybe you're using it and you want to get better results, then you want to pay some attention you want to meet people where they they are you know you want to you want to you know that your uh, your target market hangout on facebook one of the big distinctions from running literally hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of facebook advertising spend i would say is when we start to break down some of our most profitable advertising campaigns was we found that a lot of people were on a mobile device now, that shouldn't be any surprise, but what was kind of alarming to us was that in our data, over 85% of our traffic was mobile. That is the reality of, 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 of most people online today, given the fact that everybody has a smartphone these days and obviously have has the app on their phone. And so... We were using some traditional conversion campaigns like automated webinar campaigns that had worked for many, many years before it. And we'd we'd run live and automated webinars to drive people through to some kind of application. And this was our first kind of foray in discovery that when was the last time that you watched a webinar on your mobile phone? I mean, it's a simple question, but I don't know about you, but I never watched all of a webinar on a, on a phone, especially if they were like, you know, an hour or two long. Right. Um, it's a horrible experience well, to do that, to watch a video of that kind of length on your phone. And the truth is a lot of webinar platform software as well. We, we've never found a, a, a great solution for that for a number of technical reasons and we found that people were jumping between devices throughout that funnel which made it quite difficult to scale those campaigns as well so uh, maybe for those of you who are listening that want a little bit more of a technical understanding you've kind of got it and um, it makes sense you know a lot of a lot of traffic originated from mobile and people were jumping between between different devices and you can imagine that meant that that protracted the attention that we had with those leads that were coming through because they were jumping through through different devices. We were sending a lot of email and we were trying to scale their attention. But um, in doing so, we had to send a lot of messages. It really elongated the lead to buyer time as a result, yeah. um, as you would well, imagine. I can't tell you how many webinars that I have come across on my phone, right? And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's actually interesting to me. I register, and then I'm told I've got to wait 15 minutes, an hour, or it's you know three days away. I'm like, okay, yeah. And then what happens? Other things in life come in the way, and then you never attend. So I've probably registered for 100 webinars I've never attended. Uh, not because oh, totally. in the topic, yeah. but because they're putting me through filters. Now, there's yeah. a it's interesting because that whole concept of the, the timed webinar is built upon somebody telling somebody at some point, yeah, if you schedule somebody for a webinar, you're going to get better results in your sales. 
Mm-hmm. That's the basis for it. Someone said that. Now you come get me the proof that that's actually true. I think people try and build it, but they don't actually have it. No, so I agree. That was the whole basis for that whole approach was somebody somewhere at some event said something, and then somebody that wanted to sound smart in some mastermind repeated it, and then boom, next thing you know, everybody's doing it, not because they know why, but because somebody said somewhere that you should. Mm. And so if you think about it, though, if you just thought about it for a second, you realize that's, there's a whole lot of friction in that process. So I'm, I've got their attention. They're actually interested. I'm asking them to give me information. They give me information. I tell them, wait. Yeah. That might have worked back in the 80s when you know people had to wait a week for their show to come on that they really liked. Oh, I love that show, Knight Rider. You know, that was me as a kid, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was looking forward to Friday all week, you know. You've got on-demand Night Rider now, Mr. Chapman. <laughs> well, I know, but you know, so that's the where we live. We live in the Netflix time. Mm. So asking people to live like they were in the 80s when we're in the Netflix generation is crazy. Yeah. And yet that's what people were doing because they were told to do that. In fact, to this day, I'll get people to be angry at me when I challenge that. Yeah, I agree. And they don't know why. It's more of a religion for them than it is a fact. You know, it's not like that. this is something that they know. It's something that they've been told and they believe it and they don't know why. And yeah, you got no, to question totally. those things. And that's kind of was your genesis as well. Then. It was because we were just seeing, you know, show up rates go down. We were seeing more people that were not, you know, making it through the webinar to even see the offer. And then we were also then seeing that, that people are at the highest point of momentum and you have their attention the moment that they give you their information in exchange for what you're giving to them. So then when you then put them into some sort of countdown sequence, which is kind of a bit of false scarcity anyway, to get them to take action by a given time, you've lost their attention. And now you're fighting in the inbox with every other person that's also trying to get their attention yeah, let's um, not even get into that because that's going to... Yeah, that's a whole different thing. That, that's definitely another whole podcast on its own, <laughs> another episode there. But we, we just, the truth was we were just seeing things decline. And it made sense because people, we're, we're not living in that time now. People want to, you know, they want to consume, informa- they want to consume the information they've requested like now. And they want to do it in the most convenient way. So this now starts to... So so we've kind of established that, first of all, Facebook is where your potential customers are hanging out, number one. We've also established that the majority of people that are there who are browsing on Facebook and on the platform are on a mobile device. Certainly, the majority are from our data that we've seen, over 85%. So then, now that we, we've kind of started talking about why there would be an obvious decline in the way that we, the old way of doing things, now we know that if they're on a mobile device and we know that there's all of this inconvenience and all of this wall and all, of the, all these walls we're putting up and all this friction, then we now need to think of a, a better way. And if we know that they're on the mobile device and we're trying to just communicate with email, then we know that there's a better way, don't we? We know that there's a way that we can connect with the device that's in every, or all, of our, or all of our own pockets through text messaging. And that was our kind of revelation, really, was that we went from seeing 
text and, and, and SMS as the, the, the gateway to actually getting the information initially that we needed to continue the conversation with them. And what I mean by that specifically is that in the past, what we used to try and do was use lead capture forms with first name, email, and then try and get people's phone number on the front end to try and tell them that we'd send them sort of reminders for the webinar or something like that. But obviously, the more information you ask for, the conversion goes down. And there's no real reason. It's a very tepid reason to be able to ask for that information anyway. Yet, the one piece of information that we actually need at the end of the day is if we're going to have a conversation with them, even if we're going to reach out to those people at some point in the future, we need their phone number. And that's kind of where then we started to think, well okay, maybe there's a better way here where if we can dovetail the the response mechanism and the delivery mechanism together, so we're actually delivering messages and communication through text and SMS, not only is it likely to grab the attention because we're going to have it, we're going to hold it for longer because we're going to deliver it directly to the device that they're already on. That was a really big thing. But also it means that when they request that information and we deliver it to them through text, they're then going to take the next action and actually engage with the very thing that they've actually asked for. And we had seen this be a big factor with with email over a long time, not just with webinars, but also asking people to download free guides. And, you know, people used to have white papers and all of these different kind of lead magnets and video series and mini classes and all this stuff that you can use on the front end. We'd seen so much of the open rate drop off because people request stuff all the time, but you know, you you lose them, and so building these well, two we've all done together, it, right? Like, I think this is worth exploring just a little bit, so people don't you know brush over this and glaze over it. But you've all requested something by email, then you've gone into your email box and you sat and waited, and you didn't really want to get into your email inbox in the first place because you knew there's a bunch of stuff you hadn't taken care of that was in there waiting for you. You know what I mean? It's sort mm-hmm. of like when you have somebody that you're responsible to. And you've made a commitment to them, and then you didn't keep that commitment. How excited are you to see them the next time? That's the email inbox. Because there's so many things there you know you have to look at and deal with, but you don't want to because you don't really want to. You know, it's not the top of your list, but you know it's important. And so it's a place that people want to avoid. But yet that's how this thing's getting delivered. So they go and they jump in there and they're jumping in there and they're waiting and they're hoping not to see something else. And then maybe there's something actually interesting in there too. And they see that and suddenly, boom, they're off on the other tangent. They're gone and then they forget about the thing that they were waiting for. If you don't think that's how people operate, think about yourself. I guarantee everybody operates in that same way because it's a human nature thing, right? And that's a pretty big deal when you're trying to get someone's attention. So that ability for you to go from the mobile phone where they found your ad and were interested in the first place and then back into a place where there's no competition to speak of, right? And the text message is pretty critical. But that also another thing, I don't know, what do you call it? I call it marketing rule number 19. I know you don't call it that because it's it's kind of my funny deal and it kind of sounds weird. What do you call that concept of? Well, I think it's becoming as 
Dan Kennedy would say a, a welcome guest rather than an annoying past because, yeah. you know, email does drive a lot of behavior, but we do more based on relationships than we have ever done before. And receiving text messages when we've explicitly given permission to, um, for, that's for somebody to, for, to text us the information that we're actually requesting, then allows us to not only deliver it in the in the most convenient way but we can then continue the conversation in in almost a non-invasive way that is more humanized anyway right that's so critical to open that door because the marketing rule number 19 states that before you decide how you're going to lead capture you got to know how you're going to sell yeah that's where people figure out how they're going to generate leads instead of worrying about how they're going to sell to them and then they don't sell and they can't figure yeah. out why. You know, yeah. this is why the phone frontal framework is so important, is because Ollie thought from the beginning, I've got to sell. This is yeah. a sales mechanism. This isn't okay, I gotta generate leads and then I gotta sell them. It's a sales mechanism, and starting with the, the end in mind of how we're we gonna sell. So that's why the phone number is so critical to your process, as you said. Hey, look at everybody has a, a, a phone on them now, just about, right? Yeah. It's it's within three feet of them. 24-7, 24-7, it's within three feet of them. So if I can get that, now I can call, and if I get the permission, I can text. Yep. If I can do those two things, that's installed on every single phone. Yep. Every single person is using the phone and the texting on their phone. They're not all using Facebook Messenger. They're not all using other things, but they all are using you know SMS and phone. So if I can get that now I've got the golden key to the palace. You know, I can I can get in and I've got a chance to have a conversation now. Okay, so you've got the phone. Yeah. You, re- you so, realize so, that's super critical. Where does it go from there? Well, here's so here's the other reality of Facebook advertising is that it's different from intent-based search platforms yeah. like Google AdWords. So you call with, it what? Yeah, well, with AdWords, people are looking for what you've got to offer. They've got a problem and they're looking for a solution and they search that problem. Yeah. With ad, with Facebook, we're, we're really interrupting them mm-hmm. on a social platform. So here's the things that we found about this was that albeit you can make some of this work, Facebook wants to provide the best user experience to its customer base, its user base. What that means is is that when you're trying to do off-site conversions, meaning you're trying to drive people from an ad away from Facebook to a landing page to get them to opt in for something, there will be, and just mark my words, this is only going to get more restrictive from a Facebook standpoint. The reason why it's going to get more restrictive is for a number of a number of reasons around compliance, but it's probably going to get more restrictive because ultimately it's not the most desired way that Facebook believes that advertisers should be using that platform. And so one of the things that they created was uh, they call it a lead generation objective, but we call it lead ads, Facebook lead ads. Mm-hmm. And we'd seen these arrive on the scene as, a, as an advertising objective, which meant that the difference between this and a normal conversion-based objective, one where you were driving people away from Facebook, was that Facebook now allowed you to collect the contact information from its users inside of Facebook rather than driving them away and off 
the platform. And so when they did this, it was great because you could see where Facebook were going with it. And there's definitely seemed in early tests to be a bias almost towards using that objective. Facebook was throwing a lot of traffic your way. There was a high level of impressions, a good level of impression share. And what that meant was that was great because it also not only was our ads being seen, but also it meant that by the very nature of a Facebook lead ad, Facebook was actually pre-populating the user's information inside of that form in Facebook. And a lot of people, you know, love that idea. But there's one huge, big problem with that if you were just using Facebook lead ads as a way to collect contact information. And that is that if you were doing it the old way without the you know, the marketing know-how behind it, people were still collecting email. <laughs> and so they were getting loads and loads of leads through Facebook lead ads because, as I mentioned, there was a, it seemed, if there was or not, but there seemed to be a bit of a bias towards that. And so people were still inside of the platform. They were getting leads. They were getting email. They were getting first name. And then they were trying to follow up with them. And everybody I spoke to were like, these lead ads just don't work. They flat out don't work. You get loads of leads. It's rubbish data, rubbish contact information. And I don't, I think it took a while before somebody just said, well, of course it is not good contact information because when you signed up to your Facebook account, you used an email, which now has probably been changed you know 10 15 times even you know whatever it is that you you used to sign up with if that's the information that's been provided to these forms then clearly it's going to be outdated information and you're definitely not going to get great open rate or great delivery on those emails that you're collecting from facebook i'm not going to go to say is that they're completely useless to you no. but it's definitely fact, not they're, they're very valuable if you know what you're doing Exactly. Yeah. So with the marketing know-how and, and thinking about... It's not about valuable these, if you're sending email. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This then provided an interesting kind of uh, juncture for us because what we then came to realize was with a Facebook lead ad, we could also ask for other information. And one of those pieces of information that we could ask for is mobile number. Uh, mobile phone number. And guess what? Facebook will also pre-populate that information if it has it on its user when now, they enter that form. What's fascinating is that it doesn't say mobile phone number. It just says phone number. Mm. Mm. But the reality is the phone numbers that Facebook collects is the cell phone number, is the mobile number. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why that is important to us is twofold. Number one, we've already established that most of our traffic, most of our impressions are on mobile, number one. So we know they're on a mobile device. Two, we know that if we, we can find a way to connect with the device that's in their pockets using text and leveraging that, then we can, which is great. Now we've got a way, we've got a mechanism to collect that mobile phone number inside of Facebook, which is great. And now we need to ask the question is, how accurate is that information? 
Well, unlike email, which as I've already explained, for a lot of people, they, they didn't get good results with, with their phone, the reason why that would be more accurate is because people don't change their phone number very often number one. And number two, Facebook often uses that as a, as a security mechanism or does use it as a security mechanism if you have forgotten your password for some reason. So Facebook has that data and you have given data to that data to Facebook. And so now we've got this perfect storm, so to speak, of now being able to collect the information that we actually need to open up the channel of communication that then paves the way for the rest of the sales process. So if you understand you know, what Ollie just laid out about how the cell phone number, the mobile number is collected and why it's so critical and why everybody's motivations are in the same direction, you'll also understand why collecting the phone number is great for retargeting as well. Even if you're not collecting it, through a, a lead ad form because Facebook has this unique number that's assigned to you with your device, probably more unique than social security numbers in the United States in some ways, but there you go. You've got this number. Now you've got a, an identifier that is absolutely unique, absolutely used and an absolutely great way to connect. Now all you need that's missing is permission to text them, which is something that you do in your lead ad, right? Yeah, because the interesting thing with a, a lead ad is that as well as collecting the information on the form that you need to deliver the value that you're promising in your actual ad itself, which I'll come back to in a few moments, you can also ask something called a custom question. And on that question, and then this is critical, uh, you can simply say, would you like me to instantly text you a link to the video. And uh, obviously, it's, that's a binary option, yes or no, uh, which they're selecting directly on that form. And um, in case of you, in case some of you may be wondering, what's the ratio of people that say yes to no? We're actually running a campaign at the moment, and it's like 90%, just over wow. 90%. Which yeah, is I've seen the range from 75 high. on the low side to, to 90 yeah. Guess what you're saying there? I would say the average is probably in that 75 to 80 range. But yeah. If it, this goes back to another concept, and uh, I'm going to give a little preview for people that are listening. We are not going to cover the whole of the phone funnel in this episode because we're just about out of time. Yeah. But yeah. We will come back. I think we've set a good framework. And so let's, all if you don't mind, in the next episode, let's go into some of the logisticals of of the things that, that you've learned going through the phone funnel framework with all of your clients. And I'll share some of our insights as well. So on, the, on that topic of getting that question asked and answered, now what do you do with the information once you get that? Well, what we now have is we, we have the ability now to, to discern those people that want us to directly deliver that piece of value to their mobile phone versus those that have want a traditional way to deliver it through through email so you um, ask for full name email address yes. phone number and then if they want the the video instantly delivered to them via text message yes and what happens at that point is is the information that's collected on that form is uh, is sent directly to Infusionsoft, which is our CRM marketing automation tool. Well, not and quite directly. 
not quite directly. Let's, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it almost seems so seamless. Um, that you forget that, it's there, huh? That I forget that it's there. In fact, I just have regular flow of Slack messages when we run this campaign internally of, of alerts of these things coming through every, however long the, uh, the limit is of it refreshing to get as many as possible. But we send, the, the information is, is sent, it is, it is synced using Fix Your Funnel and Fix Your Funnel ports that information over to Infusionsoft so that we can then facilitate the follow-up process. So we can yeah, deter- so we'll, we'll stick it in there and then we'll apply a tag of your choice for that particular lead type. And then that way you can start automation knowing the data is in Infusionsoft. Yeah, so the, the great thing about that is, is you know, we're clearly building our list and, and using Fixture Funnel to move that information over. But also we're moving that information over of not just the contact info, but also the permission as well. Because we may want to in the future know and discern those people that we have permission to be able to text and those that we don't as well. Um, then we also use Fixture Funnel. This may not matter to, to some people, but to, to us, we like to see it is we use Fixture Funnel bot. Uh, in fact, actually, we have an integration set up now because it's part of your sync platform, of course, um, yeah. which allows us to push that information into Slack. So actually, my team can actually see the flow of these new leads coming through all of the time and the information that's being collected and and ultimately that had been passed over to infusion i know that that seems like a minor thing but for me that's been a major part of all my businesses and i i take it so for granted that i never hardly mention it but having slack you know once we got slack which was like as soon as it came out we heard about it we're like oh this would be great we started utilizing it that way having slack you know, having a channel dedicated to all the the activity coming off of your ads is really critical because leads is the lifeblood of the business. If sales is is what moves the business forward because it generates revenue, then it you know this is the food basically. The leads are the food to sales, and so if the food gets cut off, what happens to sales? It dries up and you die. <laughs> you know that business is done. So you really want to keep an eye on the food flow into the business. So as each lead comes in, you want to see that those ads are producing leads. Because if you don't see that, if that's not constantly in front of you, you can sometimes miss it. And then you create a feast or famine type scenario where you start going into famine mode, panic sets in, you start doing desperate things to try and get that corrected, which usually isn't the best thing. It's usually the worst thing that you can do is what you'll do when you, and you're in panic. But you'll do that. You'll get some, something working if you're lucky and then you survive. But then what will happen is inevitably you'll get comfortable. You'll forget to check in on that. So having that come into Slack is really critical because it gives you a, an open view. Now, I do that with, with keyword phone number leads as well. So any lead that we're com- is coming into our company is going into a particular channel so everybody can kind of see is the lead flow happening the way that we expect it to, or do we need to you know, make adjustments? I think that's a critical thing. Even if you don't use Slack for anything else, like you're just a team of one, you're like, well, who would I chat with? Let Infusionsoft chat with you. Let your leads, you know, if you're using the phone funnel framework, let those leads be coming in there. I would use it even if it was just me working in my team. I had no other humans just so I could have my machines communicating with me on what they're doing. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You'd probably do the same, wouldn't you? Yeah, I do. Because we use Slack really now as the kind of the nucleus of communication internally, but also having these sensors that uh, are working externally to feed those little notifications back to us pivotal stages of the process so you're having infusionsoft doing that through a fixture funnel slack bot as well as that's right uh, lead ads notifying you that leads are coming in and you'll do this for your your clients as well so you can get a feel for how their flow is yeah, the beautiful thing is what we have with that is we have, I get so much insight because in that channel where we're pushing the lead information into, we also have a the, the, the Slack bot that you were talking about there set up as well, which shows us immediate qualification and disqualification of people that are making Mm. applications to have conversations with us as well so that our sales team can actually delete those people from their calendar if they've scheduled with them but they don't qualify which is great okay so they'll actually like push some button or do something that will apply a tag and then start a a sequence that will notify that person sorry you don't actually qualify so we're we're not going to have our appointment yeah, or another another bot that we use is, you know, if once a once a call and an appointment is scheduled with a qualified person, we also push that through as well, even with the booking date as well. So we've got everything there that's just coming through. And it's just a nice to know. So, you know, as we're yeah. talking and having this conversation right this very second, I can see looking through the, the Slack history today, even just as a, as a glance, and, and it is quite a long thread now, but I would, have, I would imagine that there's probably, without me looking, probably about 100 leads there or thereabouts have come through. And what I can see in between those is I can see people that have scheduled, I can see people that have qualified and disqualified. And really, that's the command center for for me getting an idea for what's going on. And as you just said before, you know, you might be thinking, well, this is a, this is surely just a almost vanity. It isn't. Because if I saw a hundred fixture funnel notifications and zero appointments that had been set that day, even just from notifications, not a dashboard, nothing fancy, just having this receptor of what's happening, I'd know that there's something that's off or something that's not working. And that's critical for you to know, you know, immediately, not after it becomes a problem, because then you can do something about it. Okay, we're unfortunately out of time for this episode, but I do want to give people just in like a, a word, I'm just going to walk them through real quick, not a word, but, you know, very quickly, the, the end of the phone funnel framework, just so they have some full context to wrap their mind around. And then we're going to really have to dive in deep on some other stuff in the next episode. But basically, we're driving, and th- this is very basic, so don't try and use this information until you listen to the next episode because you'll, you'll mess up a lot of stuff. There's a lot to this, but it sounds simple. After that, we get the lead ad, we're through the text message or as a backup, if they don't allow us to text through the email, we're pushing them to a, a video. And that video is going to be an introduction and then that's going to push them to maybe a slightly longer video that will then invite them to set appointment to see if this is right for them and discuss with a member of our team if the situation is good for them. And then that's setting an appointment. They show up to the appointment, they have a discussion, and then they make a buying decision. So that's like a very brief, I know I might I missed some pieces that you use, Ollie, but hopefully that does enough justice so people get a feel for what this overall framework is. 
And I'll, I'll also add one more thing, which is we've talked about this in the context of Facebook ads right here, but this same phone funnel framework could be initiated off a direct mail piece by having a keyword phone number call to action, which you know eliminates the option for, I don't want to give you my cell phone number, but is just as effective as it follows then the flow of everything else that we, we're going to talk about. Certainly. Yeah. Looking forward to that. All right. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for uh, sharing so much great information. Hopefully people are starting to get a feel for what the phone funnel framework is, as well as the four pillars to growing a business that actually scales and becomes something amazing that you're happy to be a, a part of and have started.